0: From the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome
1: to the Sales Training World podcast. Got a great show for you today. If you are in the sales business, you have found the right place. You're a citizen here of the sales training world. Not really necessarily any voting rights or anything like that, but um, there's no democracy here. It's just all sales all the time, and that's really what we talk about. Got a great show coming up for you today. Uh, We've got Jeff Kozer from Selling to Zebras gonna be here today. And we're gonna really dissect new business development. That's the focus of our show today as we talk about new business development. You know, I think there's nothing more important in our sales life, obviously, is having a really, really full pipeline. I think we all would agree with that. So it's very important for us to be thinking about what are we actively doing every single day to grow our personal book of business. So Jeff's coming up. We're going to talk about that and uh, so much more. He's got a really cool piece of software that I came across that um, I think that you're really going to love. So we're going to ask him to talk about that as well as his sales life. And then maybe he's going to join us uh, for some listener questions. So don't forget, send those listener questions in to me, Ryan at BrainswellMedia.com. Ryan at media. Dot com. And we've got questions today from Barry, Alshon, and Allison um, all coming into us. So thanks guys. We Got your questions coming up and Jeff's going to hopefully weigh in uh, with those as well. We'll surprise Jeff a little bit and ask him to stick around uh, for that. All right, let's talk about expanding our sales game today. And when you talk about that, I really want to think about a few things and a few strategies as we're calling people, uh, trying to set uh, appointments. Whether it's email, whether it's phone, I think we all would recognize the phone is a powerful tool. Uh, 10 times more likely to close deals on the phone according to grasshopper research. But what do we do when we finally have the chance to get somebody on the phone, if we can get that gatekeeper or whatever the circumstances. Let me give you some thoughts and, and some ideas. Number one, I really like to say the opposite of what somebody is expecting. So if I do have the opportunity Uh, to get a prospect on the phone, very often I'll say the exact opposite. So if I begin my conversation, oh, hey, John, great to uh, connect with you. I wonder if we could chat for a minute about X. Um, Rather than introduce myself and those, I, I wonder if we could chat about X, and it's something that I've seen on their Facebook company page, on their website, or, or you could say, I really have a question about X, or I have a question about this. Rather than going right into a sales pitch, I'd like to reach out to somebody and asking some type of question. It's the opposite of what they expect. Most salespeople want to get into a sales pitch, and I'm just really looking for a way to start a conversation. Now, some of you might say, "Well, Ryan, that is uh, if you can get them on the phone." I recognize that. So whether I'm emailing somebody or calling somebody, very often I want to think, what would most salespeople do in the circumstance? And then think about doing the exact opposite. For example, if someone said to me, Ryan, I have no budget for that. I wasn't calling about a budget issue. I was actually calling to share a great idea with you. Would you have a couple seconds for a great idea? Or, or, as you're talking about new business development, you can play the, number two, you can play the I have a problem game or I need some advice game. I have an idea game. There's several different games you could play. So if I have the opportunity to get someone on the phone or I could email them this as well, I might say, Bob, I've got a problem I hope you can help me with. Or, hey, Bob, I've got an idea that I'd love to get your feedback on. Or, hey, Bob, I've got a problem and I need a little bit of advice on something. See, for me, what I want to try to do is sell less. If I'm going to sell less, I potentially am going to sell more. Now, I'm not trying to be a consultative seller. I mean, that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is help you understand that new business development requires strategy. We can't do the same things we've always done and expect to get a different result. And so that's why I really like to focus in on the either I have a problem game or I have an idea game or, hey, I have a question for you or could I get some advice from you. Hey, we all know that people love to give advice. The third thing I like to do is I like to assign my prospects a label, and then I make them live up to that label. So for example, I might say something like, you know, John as a market leader in this industry, or Renee as a thought leader in this industry, or Bob as somebody that's been in this industry for 15 years, as a veteran of this industry. I like to give people a label as a leader within this community. I want to give people a label because it makes them feel good about themselves. Now, you might think, well, Ryan, is this kind of being tricky? I'm not not trying to trick anybody. What I'm trying to help everybody understand is I want to be the opposite of most salespeople that are trying to develop new business with clients. And I think it's, it's very, very important. Now, I also, number four, I like to direct prospects to learning. On most of our websites, we have all kinds of different videos and educational products. In an email and in a phone call or in a voicemail, I always want to be directing people to over to my self-service sales portal. Now, you might not have a lot online, but even if you have one YouTube video, as a new way of developing business, rather than trying to get a conversation with them, if that's not possible... I'm going to direct them over to learning because I recognize that the vast majority of people want to get their information online before they actually speak to me. So I think that's important. And then last but not least, what I'm trying to do, well, actually not not last, second to last, I was calling about two simple things. When I get somebody on the phone, I was just calling about two simple things. Do you have a second for one simple question? I've got just one simple question for you. And those are the type of conversations I like to kind of spur the conversation. Now, last but not least, I always go back to value. In every conversation I have with any client, I recognize this. If the perceived value and the price are similar, then I've got a 50-50 chance of winning that business. If the perceived value is higher than the price, my chances grow to about 80%. If my perceived value is lower then I've got almost no chance to actually make that sale happen. So I'm always going back to perceived value – at the end of all my conversations. New business development, friends, it is wickedly important. Number one, I like to say the opposite of what's being expected. Number two, I'll play the I have a problem or I have an idea or can I get your advice game? Number three, I assign my prospects some type of label, veteran in the industry, thought leader in the industry. I make them live up to that. Number four, I always direct prospects over to my website for extended learning, videos and things like that. Number five, you know, I was just calling about two simple things. I was calling about one simple thing. Do you, have, do you have time for a real quick question? I think that's important. And then number six, last but not least, I always go back to value. And I think that that is vividly important. All right, friends, so if you can take those six things, put them into action, I believe I can help you take your sales life to places you only dreamed possible. All right, we're going to be back in 30 seconds with Jeff Kozer, CEO from Selling to Zebras. He'll be back with us right in
0: a couple of seconds here on the Sales Training World podcast. The Sales Training World podcast is brought to you in part by... OpenLook Business Solutions. OpenLook offers affordable outsourcing solutions like data cleanup, telemarketing, customer service follow-up, and so much more. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. Are you looking to grow as a sales manager or VP of sales? Emmy award-winning sales coach Ryan Dorn just recorded five hours of sales management training. It's available to you online now on demand. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. Over 1,000 sales managers agree. This is the best management training online. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. All right, back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn.
1: All right, friends and fans of the sales training world out there, we've got a very, very special opportunity as we're talking about prospecting today, I was thinking to myself, man, what's a book that I've read that really aligns with what I'm trying to accomplish and, and what I'm trying to share? And what came up in my mind was Selling to Zebras. And so uh, reaching out and, and have uh, Jeff Kozer uh, on the line, who's uh, CEO over there. And and Jeff, you know, as we talk about this topic, I know it's important to you. I know it's important uh, to your colleagues over at the company, but love to start out. you know, Just tell us a little bit about you and, and what makes you,
2: you. So let's see. So, a big part of who I am is what I do. Um, I know that's flawed, <laughs> <laughs> maybe even a character flaw, but it, but it's true. I've done a, a Milwaukee Children's Hospital run. It's it's a it's a uh, a fun run, a fundraiser. It's an eight mm-hmm. k since 1981. Wow! I do that with my 10 year younger brother. One of my favorite things is to pair a good wine with dinner and make dinner with my wife, and we do that. Often.
1: Yeah, nice. That's great. I can uh, I can share on that. I've got a grill outside that whenever I come out, it says, welcome back, Ryan. Thanks. <laughs>
2: We're, here. We're here. And does it do that digitally or <laughs> do you have a sign
1: on it? It's more of an ESP, you know, kind of thing. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know, when you think about, um, you know, over the course of your, your sales career, you and um, what you guys are doing uh, now over at the company, um, I'm noticing that there is a lot of AI, a lot of artificial intelligence that's being used out there. I'm sure some good, some bad. And I'm asked a lot of questions about AI in the sales process and in the sales business. What are you guys doing with it? What are you seeing out there? Good, bad, ugly? What are your thoughts uh, in that realm?
2: Well, you know, AI is, is, it, it is coming, you know, we, we're, it, it's kind of like, do you remember when supply chain first popped up 20 sure. years ago and nobody yeah. knew what it was? Yeah. Now it's sort of like in the vernacular, everybody knows where, what it is and what it does for you. AI is kind of like that right now. It's, it's the buzzword that's, that's uh, Salesforce has invested heavily in it. Um, they have something called Einstein, but, but what does it really do for a seller? Um, and what we're playing with is making sure that the solution that you put together for clients, the business issues that you solve for clients should be known by that intelligence. And if it is, then it can do a really good job of finding more accounts, more prospects that are just like the ones where you've created exceedingly good value Mm -hmm. that fit really well with your solution hopefully better than anyone else, and serve up more prospects like those to you, and then even start the research for you. So you talk a lot about making sure that you prepare for a call. Well, what if the software could actually help you start doing that? Yeah, it makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Being relevant in, in today's world is so unbelievably important. You're probably like me and get a couple hundred a week, if not a day, generic sales emails. And I feel like just being highly relevant to folks is important. But also- sharing success stories. That's one of the things that's a a core to what you guys teach
2: and what you do uh, with your software too. Tell us more about that. So you're right. And and you talk a lot about that too. So we, we, um, we promote doing voice of the customer work, which is what is, what is the value that you create in your customer's eyes? What problem do you solve for them? What value was created? And then tell those stories and align those with your perfect prospects. And by the way, that's what, that's what a zebra is. It's just your perfect prospect. Yeah.
1: Now, so tell me more about what you know from when the book was titled to what you're doing now with software, tell me more about the selling to zebras where it kind of came from.
2: Well, a zebra is easy to spot. Right. Sure. So you you know <laughs> <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that bad joke. Um and and that's that's where it came from. That's where the analogy came from. A prospect should be just as easy to spot as a zebra is out there in the animal world. And what you do is you define it. And and we defined it with seven characteristics that tr- that change color: red, yellow, and green. So it's very visual. It's very simple, but it makes everyone pursue the same type of prospects and know exactly where you're strong and where you're not so strong, and help you create a strategy around it. And then we we had this this um, philosophy, if you will, as a sales process and as a as a training process and as a reinforcement for businesses to turn it into a go-to-market. But what we've done since then is is actually turned it into software, which um, actually took us a couple of tries. We failed the first time, by sure.
1: the way. Sure, now it makes sense. You know, one of the things I talk about all the time, you might have heard, is we defining the perfect prospect. So I break people down into three categories. I call them minnows on one side, and then the complete other side then would be whales, and then right in the middle would sort of be that cod, which for a lot of us, that's really where our sweet spot is. If we spend too much time on minnows, um, we realize that most minnows are a bigger pain in the rear than a whale. <laughs> if, we spend, yes. if we spend too much time on whales, um, we hardly ever get to goal. If we spend time on that sweet spot right in the middle, I call them cod because they're the most commonly eaten whitefish. Cod, it's alignment with that very perfect prospect and, and defining them. Now, is is every industry different? So when you're dealing with different industries – Are you categorizing people differently or what are the kind of characteristics you guys are seeing or is it industry specific or what is
2: it? Depends on the business. Okay. Right. Yeah. So if you're working with a technology company, a software company or someone in in high tech, it can be different than if you're working with a manufacturer distributor or services company. So really all depends on where they've had success and why. And that's what the process determines, and it it uh, it doesn't identify every deal they've ever won. It identifies where the cod are. To right. take to, to 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 use your use your example, and then you measure all your other prospects against that perfect example. And although no prospect is ever going to be perfect, it shows you how close they come and, and like I mentioned before, helps you develop a strategy on, on how you close the gaps and really put you in a position to earn the right to ask for the business.
1: Makes sense. So just because they bought in the past, if I'm following you, doesn't necessarily make them a good prospect.
2: That's absolutely true. I mean, that that's where you get into the how do we identify who our best customers are and where we should spend the time as well from an account management perspective.
1: Yeah. I was also curious when you think about um, trying to line these people up, um, whether it's within your software or, with, or within your philosophy, do, are we lining up the perfect salesperson with the perfect prospect? Do we change the person based on the prospect? Or do we just need to accept, hey, it is Joe. It's old Joe. So Joe's going to have to take them all or, or do we try to line up perfect salespeople with the perfect prospect? What do you think of that?
2: It's a good question. Um, I think for the most part, um, you have to align the type of customer with the type of salesperson that you're presenting to them and, uh, salespeople can change, um, and they can learn to do a, uh, something different than they did before, right. but only if the business is patient enough to allow for that change. So right. right so, if you have goals to meet and you, and you can't allow for that, well, then um, you might have to make a different decision. But virtually everyone th- – these principles that we teach and that you teach, they're not impossible to learn. and Anyone can do it. It's, it's a matter of putting their mind to it, practicing it, and executing on it.
1: Yeah. What um you, what have you observed? I mean, what makes um is is it every circumstance different or what makes these um, you know, prospects really stand out like zebras? Um is there some
2: thought behind that? Well, it's it, it really is um where you've had success and why. Mm-hmm. And it is what the customers say are the reasons they bought. You you like to say that as well. It it's not it's not what you think, it's what they think. Right. And mm-hmm. and and getting that down and getting that down in writing is so powerful, so that it can be presented visually, um, so that it can be presented in their words, even if their words aren't maybe as quite as eloquent as what marketing might might write. They're more powerful because the customer said it. Yeah,
1: and we're trying to really focus in. I know you guys are on focusing in on deals. That you can win, increasing your chances of winning, uh, rather than this sort of uh, spray and pray philosophy, where you just uh, basically reach out to a thousand people and see, you know, who pings you back.
2: <laughs> we we rail against that. I, I've been I've been railing against that for so long. I couldn't even tell you when I started. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I understand. Well, is there no? Do you find is it. Is it a scoring system? Is there? I mean, I know that we're wasting a lot of time on, you know, on prospecting just generic people. Do you guys uh, follow a scoring system, or is it buying habits, or is it all of those things?
2: It's all of those things, and we do we do use a scoring system, but it's it's different than a lead scoring system where you know if they look at a website or they download a white paper or something like that. that this is all about. It takes, it takes each deal and it stratifies it into the seven things that you're going to measure on every deal. And then each one of those seven gets, gets scored from zero to four, and it goes from a red, a yellow, to a green score on each one of those attributes. So now you can look at a prospect. You can see where am I red, where am I yellow, where am I green? and what's my strategy for for making the red yellow and the yellow green so that I can put myself in a position like i mentioned before I, I like to say you've earned the right to ask for the business and until you turn that total score into a the total score also adds up into a red yellow and green score and until your total score is green you haven't earned the right to ask nice. S- yeah, so it, it, it makes for less annoying salespeople because they know when they've <laughs> earned the right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the cool part about what you said is um, this one word called strategy. And what I find is that the more frustrated somebody gets, the less strategy they deploy. Um, they tend to be looking to work smarter and not harder. And what in turn, actually, what they kind of are missing out on is sales is freaking tough. Um, yes. You need to work really hard and just be smarter about it. I wonder what your thought is. I, I'm I'm always interested when I'm working with salespeople, they tend to live on this perpetual hamster wheel from hell. <laughs> and it's spinning really fast, Jeff. I mean, it's really spinning fast. And a guy will say to me uh, or, or a sales professional will say to me, hey, Ryan, I want to get off that hamster wheel. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man, I don't know that you're going to ever get off the hamster wheel. But... What if we could slow it way, way down? Uh, I think that would be um, really helpful. But the strategy piece um, of this is is so important. Are you finding, Jeff, that you're able to take people from being completely non-strategic to having a great strategic look? Or do people need to come to your program and others with a very strategic mind already in place? <laughs>
2: I think they have to come with a strategic mind in place. Um, And and I think that comes from the very first place you ever had sales success. If if you learned under a transactional model – and you, and it's always um, the number of accounts you call on, the number of calls you make, the number of wh- whatever it is—meetings, demonstrations, proposals. If you learn under that type of a system and that fits you, it's really hard to change that mindset. Mm-hmm. And and if you have a manager or a VP or an organization that that is that is that's their go-to-market, that's really hard to change. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: And most and in younger buyers, uh, hate being treated like a transactional number. They hate it. Now, I, now I'm not. I'm a big fan of millennials. I like millennials. I like millennial salespeople. They've made me a better man. They've made me a better salesperson. Um, but I've noticed with younger buyers, when you start treating them like a transaction, they really rebel. I don't know if you've
2: seen that or if you've seen your systems help with that. So I I have seen that, and some of the guys who are. Uh, gen x 's gen y and and you know I really like the gen Z that are starting to come into the buying world right now because they 're really authentic yeah. um, even even more so than x and y um, but what our young young guys and young gals are teaching us is that you they they, they themselves have to feel authentic and when they mm-hmm. even even the materials that e, even I produce or that one of my partners produce. Uh, if they, if they lack that authenticity, they push back and, and we love that. Yeah. You know, they, they say things like, I would never present that message. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's, yep, and that's, it's, it's a terrific conversation when you get to that place.
1: No, it really is. And I'm, you know, I'm one of those people that just, you know, if I see a sales book that seems to have been, I've not seen it before. I immediately front flip to the front of it to see what the copyright date is. Um, because I'm noticing that so many of these best-selling sales books were written in 88 or even 98. And man, how the world has changed since 1998 when some of these you know, big books – I'm not saying there's not a lot that we can learn from sales of the past. My concern is if we're not aligning ourselves and in, in spotting these zebras, if we're not aligning ourselves with people with pre-call research in a perfect way, sharing success stories – I think a lot of times it just makes us seem a lot more transactional. I don't know why people are focusing on the transactional sale anymore because, quite honestly, people don't like it. They just they don't like it.
2: It doesn't work. So the, most of those people are going to be gone anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. Well, I appreciate the conversation as we talk about this because, you know, really what you guys are doing – um, is really in alignment with what I've been preaching and what I'm selling um, for those of you that are new to the show by the way I, I actually sell things every day I don't just train and, and teach <laughs> and so we're realizing we've got to change our philosophies and that's one of the reasons that I really felt like um, what you guys are doing from a software perspective is great hey I'd love for you to stick around if you don't mind answer some uh, listener questions um, after the break um, would you be willing to stick around and, and uh, I'll throw some questions your way how about that I would love that. All right. That's excellent. So, all right. Uh, Jeff Kozer, CEO, uh, Selling to Zebras. You can uh, see them online and find out more about what they're doing and their philosophies and uh, the really cool product, uh, SellingToZebras.com. Uh, so, all right, friends, fans, we'll be back here in just a couple seconds. Um, Jeff's going to stick around. And let's see. We've got uh, questions from – where are my questions? There they are. Questions from Robin in uh, Oklahoma City. Windy, Oklahoma. Bill out in Las Vegas has got a question. And then uh, Steph's got a great question about mass email marketing, Jeff. So uh, she's from New York City. And uh, so we'll come back in just a couple of seconds here, folks. Um, So let's pay some bills. We'll be back in about 45 seconds uh, with Jeff uh, Kozer, and we'll answer some of these questions. We'll be right back here on the Sales Training World Podcast.
0: The Sales Training World Podcast is brought to you in part by OpenLook Business Solutions. OpenLook offers affordable outsourcing solutions like data cleanup, telemarketing, customer service follow up, and so much more. Reach out to Mike at OpenDashLook.com. Are you looking to grow as a sales manager or VP of sales? Emmy Award winning sales coach Ryan Dorn just recorded five hours of sales management training. It's available to you online now on demand. Go to SalesTrainingWorld.com and click the Videos tab for more information. Over 1,000 sales managers agree. This is the best management training online. Go to SalesTrainingWorld.com and click the Videos tab for more information. All right, back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends,
1: welcome back to the Sales Training World podcast. Uh, thrilled to have from uh, Selling to Zebras CEO Jeff Kozer. Uh, with us and Jeff thanks uh, man for sticking around uh, for these listener questions we got three of them today and all of you that send in these questions we'll send over to you an awesome sales training world t-shirt that uh, you'll be able to wear out uh, loud and proud and by the way if you uh, take a picture at a conference or something like that wearing your sales training world podcast I will send you $100 in cold hard cash that's wow. the challenge out there uh, to everybody. If they wear their sales training world t-shirt and um, and wear it at a big conference. So thanks for helping me out on that. So all right, Jeff, here we go. First question. Um, Robin from Oklahoma City. Robin's question is: hey, Ryan, and I hear this one by the way a lot, Jeff. That's why I keep bringing it up. Hey, Ryan, uh, my manager is really big on call volume versus call quality. We are now being asked. Ready for this, Jeff? Dun, 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 dun drum roll. <laughs> We're now being asked to make 60. Five outbound sales calls a day, and Robin's question is: What can I do to make these 65 <laughs> outbound calls more effective? So, Robin, we're here, we're here to help. But Jeff, what are your thoughts on call volume versus call quality? I know we covered it a little bit um, in our previous segment, but what are some of your other thoughts on if you've got a boss that's all about the volume, not about the quality? <sighs>
2: Well, I used to have a boss like that, and it goes back about 30 years, and I think that's where it should have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you a question, Ryan. So, so you and I say that you have to prepare, and, and we say very similar things. So if you're going to do your homework on a prospect, you, you want to find something about their business. You want to prove that you, did, that, you, that you cared enough about them to identify what they might care about some problem you might solve, some way you might create value, and you want to look for some type of a personal link. So if you if you do those things properly, how many phone calls can you actually make in a day and do it in
1: that way? Yeah, for me, good question. For me, the reason I teach and promote a top 20 list is because I don't feel that you can effectively prospect at any given time, effectively more than about four in the morning, five days a week, Four times five is 20. The way the pattern works, though, the four that I call on Monday morning, I'd be reaching out to them again, say, on Thursday afternoon. So what I'm doing when I work my top 20 list, and for some of you, it's not going to be enough. You're going to need a top 50 or a top 100. You just have different goals than what I have. I'm working a list of 20. I'm trying to be very relevant. I'm trying to be very specific to them. Four in the morning, Four in the afternoon, voicemail and email strategy, a total list of twenty. So I don't know how someone's doing sixty-five. Specifically, she's in the uh, in the software business. That's very specific, according to her email address. I don't really know how she's doing sixty-five a day. That, to be honest with you, and doing it well.
2: So we we say almost exactly the same thing. In fact, Jr. Who does this for us, he'll do five calls in a day, and he does it three times a week, mm-hmm. and and he has a list. He has a top 50 list. Um, he, but in that top 50, he has a top 20 within the top 50. So he's constantly rotating that top 20 until he exhausts one and moves from his top 50 into the top 20. And that, that allows him to not touch people too often to become annoying um, but it also allows him to prepare and, and and personalize the message and bring a message of increasing value every time he, he touches a prospect because that that's what it takes. And that allows you to create a relationship with them even if you don't realize you're starting to create a relationship with them.
1: Yeah, agreed. You know um, so um, Robin, if you've got 65 in an eight hour day, if you did work eight hours, um, you're looking at around you know something like you know six to eight an hour. I guess my best advice would be if you don't have a software system to help you would be at least to go to LinkedIn, um, which is our next question here from Bill. But at least go to LinkedIn, at least when you're reaching out, try to at least make some type of connection like, hey, I saw on LinkedIn that, you know, you used to work in Boston, you know, um, love the, you know, good look Red Sox or whatever. I mean, some type of connection point. But for me, 65 doesn't make a lot of sense. And Robin, as a side note, um, uh working for sellers like that working for vps like that that's tough it's really tough so do what you're told and uh, do the best that you can to try to uh make those as personal phone calls as you can
2: <laughs> yeah as you look for another job <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um, although although if 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 they if they sell a low, it's software but if they sell a low ticket software item then then it could be different so we should quantify it
1: yeah with true that enough or yeah, qualify it with that yeah true enough good uh, good good thought on that um, no, Robin, it leads us to a question from, um, uh, Bill in, in Vegas and Jeff would love to get your feedback on this, but Robin, it will be applicable to you. Bill in Vegas, um, asks this, he says, Ryan, I think LinkedIn is flat out creepy exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So thank you, Bill, for, for your emphasis there. Um, what can I do to get over this? And do you really feel like it is, uh, effective, um, Jeff, I think LinkedIn is one of the best sales tools um, that is out there uh, to sales professionals. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on LinkedIn?
2: I, I love it, LinkedIn. I, I've, I've been leveraging LinkedIn for over 10 years. Um, in fact, a guy who's local to me wrote a book on LinkedIn, Tips for, for Leveraging It in Business, before anybody even knew what it was. And I I met with him and I I thought he did a great job on it. Um, I think it allows you to be real and genuine um, with a prospect. And I I suppose if you use it wrong, it could be creepy. Uh, But I think it's laid out as one of the best tools available because it allows you to have a relationship with who you want to. It allows you to reach out in a way that causes someone to want to engage with you or not. Um, and you always have a choice, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. you know people ask me all the time, um they say could I, should I be surfing if you will, LinkedIn in anonymous mode? and I say no, um I want people to know that I'm looking at them so that when I reach out to them it's it's actually not creepy now, what's creepy is with some of those people out there that shall remain nameless um on Facebook and Instagram that are selling these sort of get rich get rich programs, jeff um and they're saying that you should look at someone's Instagram page personally and mention make reference to what personally is occurring. Like, for example, hey, Jeff, I saw that you and uh, your wife went on a vacation to Aruba. Very cool. And love those swim trunks, by the way. You know, um, <laughs> Now, that, stuff is, that type of stuff is creepy. And by the way, Bill, um, I had a group of, of millennials in front of me in New York City about four months ago on a project. I said, ooh. Ooh, ooh, I've got all you millennials here. And I'm the oldest guy in the room, and I'm only 46. But I got the old you know, oldest guy here. Let me ask you a question. If I go on Instagram and when I'm connecting with you, I mention something from Instagram like a vacation or something. Do you think that's cool? Does that make me cool? And they all looked at me, and I know what they were thinking. They were thinking, oh my gosh, old man, no, that doesn't make you cool. What somebody they said like collectively, Jeff. That is creepy, is what they said. (laughs) So, um, you know, my thought on LinkedIn is use it, um, exploit it. Here's what I do. And Jeff, tell me what your thought is on this. I always say, I would say, Jeff, in preparation for our sales call, I saw on LinkedIn um, that you used to work for so-and-so. I know somebody that worked there or "Ah, that's very cool. Tell me more about it. That's how I use it. What are, what are your thoughts on using the information uh, from LinkedIn?
2: Well, first of all, I like the phrase in preparation for my call because it says you cared enough to do that. Yeah. Um, and you, you studied it over and, and, and you found a connection. And, and then I can determine whether or not that connection feels authentic to me or not. And, and that's, that's one of the things I've learned from one of our young guys, Jr. I mean, he doesn't, you, he comes up with lots of ideas for a call, but he doesn't make a call until he feels like he's found one that feels right to him. Right.
1: Right. And I mean, I think I would even, in, in looking at your LinkedIn profile, I might've said, you know, oh man, you know, you worked for Bain. Tell me about that. Um, because, you know, we, we, I know so much about it, you know, tell me, tell me about it. That's really cool. Tell me about it. And those type of things. So um, even if someone had a bad experience at a a workshop before coming to where they are now, uh, usually people find it to be pretty intriguing that you took the time to go and look them up on LinkedIn usually. So um, any other thoughts on that one, uh, Jeff, before we move on?
2: Well, I have over 4,000 connections on LinkedIn, so I obviously believe in it.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, Okay, good question, Bill. Um, So uh, get over it and yeah, um, update your profile. Get your all star profile and um, make sure that your picture is current and relevant. I recently looked up somebody; clearly, the picture uh, was from high school. So uh, make sure you uh, update it. If you have a mustache now, update your picture. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last question uh, from Steph in uh, in New York City, Steph. Ask this question, Ryan. Our company is very big on mass email sales marketing. I feel like the emails are beginning to be ignored, and as a matter of fact, I feel they're harming us in the sales process. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Any thoughts on convincing my company to try a different uh, direction? So, for me, Jeff, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I know that there is a purpose for mass emails. I get it. I understand. Um, I just feel like they're getting ignored, and I feel like when I send my emails to somebody that I feel are a lot more relevant, I'm getting a better response. Um, What are your thoughts on the mass email marketing thing?
2: Like you, I think it's necessary for softening the beaches, um, but they have to be done in such a targeted way that, that it doesn't feel like it's a mass email. Yeah. Otherwise they don't get read, they don't get opened. I, uh, the, I, I get probably in the neighborhood of, of 75 emails a day that I don't read. <laughs> and, and we you know we're not that big a company, but our, our spam filter gathers them, and I time it because I, like you, help companies with penetration messaging and, and, and putting something together that is worthy of an executive reading it. And I spend exactly 15 seconds a day on those 75 emails, and the only ones that end up in my inbox are ones where I know the sender or the subject line resonates, and that's pretty rare.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The effectiveness, um, you know, whether it's a company like Salesforce um, or bigger companies uh, like Constant Contact, we're learning the effectiveness of sales emails is dropping dramatically because everybody gets hundreds of them. Uh, in their in their inbox. So, um, you know, Steph. For me, I think that uh, a lot of it is just understanding it's a part of the circumstance. Marketers feel like they have to do it. Uh, maybe some conversations with them about uh, about using software to customize uh, email blasts, and maybe just taking over yourself and realizing that you want to use some of the tactics we've talked about in this podcast and others about being highly, highly relevant in everything that you send to somebody is really going to get a response uh, more than these mass emails, but. Hey, it's a part. I hate to say, um, Jeff, I don't know if you are like me. I hate the statement, it is what it is. Um, my kids say that. I'm like, guys, stop. It is what you make it. Um, so uh, understand, Steph, it's part of it's part of what's going on out there. And so maybe as you come across articles um, that talk about this kind of topic, uh, maybe forward some articles to them or things like that. But you control you, Steph, so you can get out there and, and make some you know, some thoughts and, 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 emails that are a lot more relevant. So, all right, good questions from Robin, Bill, uh, Steph, uh, Jeff, any uh, thoughts before we uh, wrap up the podcast, any final uh, thoughts before we uh, send people on their way to get out in the street and, and start selling some more stuff?
2: Well, maybe just one on that last topic that, that, because of marketing automation even really good messaging isn't even being read today so that's something that a person has to think about which is why that subject line has to resonate if if it's going to an executive chances are the executive's assistant is reading it and he or she is killing most of those before it even gets that far so think put yourself in their shoes and ask yourself would i read this email rather than going home to my family. Right. <laughs> Cuz that's the competition.
1: Yeah, it really is, especially in the era of, you know, work-life balance, you know, you really got to ask yourself, I only have time for so many emails in a given day. Why the heck would I pay attention uh, to yours? So. All right, so uh Jeff, thanks so much that's uh, Jeff uh, Koser has been our guest uh, for the show today. Uh, sellingtozebras.com is where you can find out more about Jeff and his fantastic team. Uh, and the software. And if you've not read the book, obviously you need to uh, pick up a copy of the, of the book as well. So Jeff, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time today. We sure appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Ryan. You do a great job. I appreciate being here.
1: All right. And that's our podcast for this month. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Love to come to your office and train your team or coach you one-on-one. Check us out online at salestrainingworld.com. And of course, if you got questions, uh, send them over to me, ryan at ryandorn.com. Ryan at ryan, D O H rn.com and now be on the lookout we've got an awesome event that we're going to be putting together in 2019 bringing all salespeople together uh in las vegas in 2019 should be a tremendous amount of fun so all right thanks so much to jeff kosher selling to zebras.com is the website and our main webcast uh sponsor here for the podcast rather is open look business solutions open look.com so anything you need anything you want to outsource reach out to the fine folks open look.com all right next podcast coming up next is going to be on the sales call roadmap which you need to do on every sales call to close more business friends never forget if sales was easy everybody be doing it and they're not so we're either crazy which is possible <laughs> or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. I'm Ryan Dorn. If you need more information, reach out to us over at salestrainingworld.com. Otherwise, stick around for the sales call roadmap coming up next.